Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. To end 2021, we're talking to each of the North American Soccer Vertical's eight full-time staff writers about their favorite story they did this year. Today, Felipe Cardenas discusses his story from this year about the internal battles for power that ran in the background of Atlanta United's first three seasons. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Tuesday, December 21st. But first, your TV guide for today. As usual, all times are Eastern. At 2.45 p.m., you have Juventus taking on Calgary and also Atalanta visiting Genoa. Both those games are on Paramount+. Plus. Also at 2.45 p.m., Arsenal hosts Sunderland in the League Cup. And at 3.30 p.m., Sevilla hosts Barcelona in La Liga. Both of those games are on ESPN+. Plus. All right, once again, we are ending the year by talking to all of uh, the Athletics U.S. soccer reporters about their favorite story that they've done in 2021. And today I have with me Felipe Cardenas. Felipe, you've covered all sorts of pieces this year, whether they're about media deals in the U.S., um, the Mexican national team, Liga MX, some South American leagues. But the story you chose to talk about is about the team that you've covered for the longest, your local team. Atlanta United. Uh, specifically, it's about how the front office of that club works uh, and some of the, I don't know, let's just say limitations or maybe issues that come uh, from that. The headline of this piece is the battles for control through Atlanta, Atlanta United's rapid ascent and sudden backslide. Uh, this came out in May of this year, which is funny to me because I know that this is, I could say this about a lot of the pieces that are being chosen for this exercise as we're talking to all the writers. But this really was something that you were talking about and pursuing and reporting on for a while. Um, So just to start things off, you know, I'm asking the same questions of everybody. What made you pursue this story? uh, And sort of what's the, what's the origin of it? Well, I go back to the when when I first found out and everyone found out that Tata Martino, the former Atlanta United coach, would know would not be continuing as Atlanta United coach after the 2018 season, uh, a season in which Atlanta United were crowned MLS Cup champions. And so that was November of that year, October, November of that year is when that announcement or at least the, the, the reporting was starting to just go in the direction that Martino would not return. And I started thinking about what this club was going to do to, to, to replace him. How do you succeed uh, a, a manager like Tata Martino, who became one of the most important hires in MLS history? Uh, and so that's where my thinking began. Uh, but the story, I think where I, I started to report on the story, uh, once I found out that Frank DeBoer had been chosen to replace Tata Martino. And what and I what I really wanted to find out and understand was 
why Atlanta United would pivot so drastically from Martino to DeBoer? Like, and were they equipped to manage such a jarring change in culture and coaching? Uh, and so that's that's where the origin of the story began. I began to to reach out to people I, and sort of just ask basic questions about the the search process for for the coach the coaching search and how they landed on Frank DeBoer. But it really started there. I remember being in Frank DeBoer's introductory press conference and and, and sitting there listening to him and in the front office and really just in my head outlining you know what I wanted to do to try to find out why they hired. Uh, Frank DeBoer. And we should say that that it was an especially teams pivot with head coaching styles all the time. I think, you know, you might agree that what made this particularly interesting is that Atlanta United not only was very successful uh, under Tata Martino, but successful and traded a lot on the style that they play. Uh, We're known for having an extremely attacking style, really, really talented players, uh, very uh, very exciting in, in every way. And Frank DeBoer, while a fine head coach, maybe <laughs> question mark, uh, regardless of what you think of him as a, as a, as a head coach, he plays his teams play a very, very different style. So um, I'm curious, you know, who, who did you talk to to get this information? Because, you know, clubs are not always very forthcoming about their exact uh, granular reasoning for, for making hires like this. So I know that it requires some some real reporting to get to get answers in a, uh, to a question like this. Yes, and so I spoke to to former players, former Atlanta United players, current and, and former club employees, uh, international scouts that had uh, worked alongside uh, a lot of the decision makers at, at, in, within Atlanta United as far as the roster build were was concerned, and, and individuals who were close to to Martino, to Tata Martino, and who have worked alongside him for several years, even before he came to Atlanta, uh, and so in the end. Uh, you know, 10 sources spoke anonymously uh, with me for the story, uh, but I spoke to people, uh, many other, many more people beyond the 10 sources uh, whose input was incredibly valuable, uh, even though perhaps they asked to not be involved with the story or they spoke off the record. Uh, a lot of those conversations, sometimes they were just messages through WhatsApp, you know, WhatsApp and, and, and finding out, being linked to someone that knew someone else. Uh, understanding uh, the the thinking behind the hire, understanding what was happening literally inside the locker room, uh, both when Martino was there, when Frank DeBoer was there, and and going back to just your original question, like the the conviction, the style of play with Atlanta under Martino was yes, distinct, and 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 we all remember it, but the conviction from the players that that stuck to me when I was covering the team in 2018, like the fact that there were players that were like so devoted to the way that they were going to play uh, and, and that believed that this was the only way that Atlanta United could win. Like we are going to play this way, win, loss or draw home or away. Uh, and that really stuck with me when I was covering that team. And so I, I always, I, I would ask myself, how is that going to work under a coach like Frank DeBoer? Will they align? Will these players and will the staff be on the same page the way that they were under Martino. Martino had his hiccups and his challenges as well with several players, but in the end, they they managed to come together and, and win an MLS Cup. And I just, 
I had my doubts. I had my doubts based on the personalities and the team, the makeup of the team, as you mentioned before, uh, and how someone like Frank DeBoer would be able to manage all of that. And what was the biggest difficulty you ran into uh, while reporting the story? What sort of, what sort of, or writing it, you know, any, anything like what, what caused you the most trouble as you were putting all this together? Cause I know that you were working on this for a very long time. Um, I think maybe you were frustrated with me because I kept on saying, no, you need a little bit more. <laughs> so if you could, if yes. you, if you have to say it was me, then you're, it's okay. This is a safe space. It's all right. <laughs> no, well, I, well, first of all, I, I hopefully I've been public enough in my gratitude to both you, Alex, and and Brooks Peck. My that was not that was not fishing for this compliment, <laughs> by the way. It's true, it's true. I mean, you you guys were great, but yes, like there were times where I felt like, okay, I have enough, I have a lot, and I remember specifically you asking me, you know, go keep reporting, go go find more, go back for more, get more voices, find find you know, answer this question um, that perhaps I hadn't even pursued. And so was that difficult? I, perhaps that's not the right word, but it, it did cause uh, some stress in that, okay, this is going to be uh, a, a really heavy lift. You know, I'm also covering the team on a daily basis. Like you said, I was also covering other um, topics within world football, world soccer. And so this was always like this monkey on my back. I, I thought about it day and night. I would write when I had time. Uh, so that the writing part was difficult. I think another part of that I learned because this was really the first true investigative story that, that I had written, uh, you know, it's just securing multiple sources and confirming information via multiple sources. You know, that was a tough task because it sometimes it took months. You know, sometimes I got it in one, you know, a couple phone calls. Uh, but it, it wasn't always the case. And, and, and to give you an example, you know, I knew through a source in the fall of 2018, uh, a source with knowledge of the U.S. Of, of U.S. soccer's hiring process, for, for example, that Tata Martino's name was at least filtering, filtering about within U.S. soccer. Sure. Uh, but it took me and I remember telling you guys, my editors, and again, you guys just said, keep confirm it, keep working, keep finding someone else that knows that can confirm that news. And so it took me over a year to secure a second and a third source that would confirm Martino's legitimate interest in the U.S. job. And then the lack of traction that and, and attention that he received from the Federation. So that was one example. It's like, I, I remember thinking I have something and it, it just, I, I couldn't confirm it for, for a few years. And that, that story, a lot of it, that happened a lot throughout that story. But once you in my opinion, like once I was able to confirm some details, uh, that's when I knew I had a, a big story and, and it, that's what motivated me to write it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Well, once it actually did come out, uh, what what do you remember of the reaction? Like, I know from from our perspective on the editorial side, it it obviously did quite well as a story. Um, but what was the reaction from your perspective, both publicly and from the club and Tata Martino and 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 everybody? Well, I'll tell you first on on reaction. Then I, I I would love to just tell you and the listeners like what what surprised me. Cause I, there was some, I remember the day I found something out and I was like, Oh my goodness. But, you know, I think I knew I was working on a major like American soccer story. You know, it involved uh, a, a big club, if you will, an, amb- an ambitious club in MLS, even though they were very new in the expansion side, but they were, you know, the Arthur blank is a, a very well-known billionaire owner. The one of the main subjects for the story is Carlos Bocanegra, a U.S. soccer a legend, if you will, a former captain, a World Cup captain, uh, and big personalities. Tata Martino, even just being sort of talking to people that know him, uh, I knew that I was working on something significant. Um, but I, I think the reaction afterwards, when it was when we published, was you know, I think some online United fans were were stunned to to find out that sort of like this pristine bubble of perfection that was Atlanta United for the first two years. Um, had popped. It wasn't what they thought. Um, and I anticipated at Line United's that the front office would push back, and which is why I was incredibly transparent with them throughout the process. Uh, but I think one thing that from the reaction that I wasn't expecting uh, was, you know, I received a lot of texts and DMs um, from not only people around American soccer and, and media, but and players that were like great story or, or or confirming things that were in the story. You know, people I hadn't even talked to for the story, but also other investigative journalists at other major outlets that don't even cover soccer that cover like real important stuff in the world <laughs> reached out to me and said, "Wow, like that's they were." they were commending me and the athletic for having done a story like that. And that to me was like, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome to know. Um, because I had many sleepless nights thinking about what the reaction of the story, what, what, what it was going to be like. But in the end, you know, I did feel like I had an obligation to write it truthfully and, and really like reward the trust that my sources had, had given me. Uh, listeners that have not read the story yet are probably uh, going crazy because we haven't mentioned anything that's actually in the story yet. And that's kind of on purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of on purpose because you should read the story. The whole point of this podcast is to get you to go back and read it if you haven't yet. Um, But that being said, Felipe, I'm curious that what in the course of reporting this surprised you? What did you learn that you didn't expect to learn? Well, I was flabbergasted. I was very surprised to learn that Darren Niels and Carlos Bocanegra had met with Marcelo Bielsa in 2016. I like my jaw dropped when one of my sources told me very casually, did you know they met with Marcelo Bielsa? And I just couldn't believe it. I, you know, I was, I was, I was stunned to, to then find out through other sources that that had taken place, that, uh, that, that they had a meeting that Bielsa was targeted as, as the, as, as perhaps a candidate to be the first coach in Atlanta United's history. Uh, and that he just never received a call back from, from Carlos Bocanegra or Darren Eels. Like, and after all that work that they had done to fly to Marseille, to meet with him, uh, to, to manage to get a meeting with Marcelo Bielsa, uh, and then to not pursue him, not even, Hey, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, that at, when I found that out and I was well through the story, by the way, 
Uh, that just changed everything for me. It changed my lead. It changed uh, a lot of the, the reporting I had done didn't cause me to go back and, and just sort of formulate what this, what this means uh, to the rest of the reporting I had already done. But I, I was, I was stunned with that. And, and also I was just surprised to learn, uh, not really surprised, but that immediate success and like elevated sporting ambitions are not without their fair share of internal drama and politicking. And, and that isn't unique to Atlanta United at all. It's like you see it in every industry and in every sports league around the world. Uh, but like I said, they had established almost like this perfect image and this brand and this product, and they completely crushed it and everything. Uh, and to learn that behind all of the success, there were real personal struggles uh, and, and, and the fact that Martino and Bocanegra had a significant falling out before MLS cup, they weren't even on speaking terms. And in spite of all that, they had this incredible success. Uh, and, and that to me was like, okay, this is a story that, that I have to tell. Well, Felipe, it is a, it is a really good story. It's certainly one of our best of 2021. Uh, I look forward to everybody that hasn't reading it, reading it now. Again, it'll be linked in the show notes of this episode. And I look forward to you doing more stories, maybe like this, or maybe uh, not like this, but good stories nonetheless in uh, 2022. Uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Of course, Alex. Thanks, man. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all.